When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to Series 3, Episode 12 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. We're reflecting on a 1-0 loss away to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge as Manchester United's away record against the top six side under Jose Mourinho continues to be appalling. But a very good and intense game of football, not something we've seen from United in some time. We'll have our extensive and unparalleled youth and loan roundup with Andreas Pereira impressing on loan at Valencia and United's under-23s winning a game. That's later on in the podcast. Jack... You're back this week, but not to revel in a in a glorious and rare win at Chelsea. Um, it's a proper proper bogey ground. But initial thoughts on, on Sunday's performance? Yeah, I'm back and back to the feeling we had for a lot of last season. Now I think after this period of games, um, initial thoughts. I would say it was it was a strange game. I think because you're right, it was more intense than say the Liverpool game, for example, at 100%. We definitely didn't set up quite as defensively. Yeah, it was just strange. It didn't follow the same pattern that the other games against Liverpool and Spurs had in the last few weeks. We were very open defensively, which is not something we've seen in any game really this year, let alone against the big, against the top six. And it was kind of strange to see us play like that. Lukaku struggled again, um, and we'll and we'll get into this more in the episode in a, uh, later on. But just highlighted once again how much we miss Paul Pogba. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the the main conclusion from from Sunday's game was. But can he can he come back, please? Um, I mean, we started we started well, and we started with proper intensity, going for the game, and up until about forty minutes, you'd say we were still properly going for it and looking like we could come away with a result. And he got to half time, and he thought, "This is this is okay. We're we're halfway to a, a first clean sheet at Stamford Bridge in in I think it's all, over a decade or something. Fifteen years, I think it is something like that. Fifteen years." idea um yeah and you get to half time and you're thinking this is this is fine um a couple of carrying a couple of players most notably Henrik Mkhitaryan but you're thinking this is okay and then second half it it doesn't fall apart but everything is just sort of taken down less attacking less 
less quality um, and much more sloppiness and, and eventually Morata scores I think just around the hour. Yeah, and the, when the goal came it was it had been coming for the last 15 minutes since the second half started you're right the first half wasn't too bad we, I mean we didn't really create much we had that we had that one Lukaku kind of half chance um, on the edge of the box which he'll probably be disappointed with but other than that we didn't create too much but we were really putting the pressure on Chelsea it really shocked me to see how high we pressed in the first half Valencia and uh, Young were playing like wingers for a lot of the game with Matic and Herrera staying relatively deep Lukaku, Lukaku and Rashford were doing a good job of pressing Chelsea's back three and we really weren't allowing Chelsea to settle and when we did get the ball as I said we weren't creating too much we were able to keep possession and control the game a little bit especially in the first 15-20 minutes it was probably one of the most positive starts that I've seen us have at Stamford Bridge in, in a very long time and then the, the kind of as the first half wore on we uh, started dropping a little bit deeper which Maybe because Chelsea caught us out on the break a few times in the opening stages, so maybe that was an adjustment. Um, but Chelsea began to control the game a little bit more. And then in the, in the second half, something just switched. I, I don't know if it was props to Conte. I don't know if, whether he changed something at half-time or whether we just didn't come out in the right frame of mind. But whatever it was, the first 15 minutes of the second half, I don't think we played that badly, let alone this season, in a long, long time. It was diabolical at the back. The problem we've had the last few years has never really been defensively. It's been going forward. And this was the first time I can remember, probably in over a year, maybe even two years, that we've looked that bad defensively. It really was shocking. It wasn't just individual mistakes either. You know, we've, had, we've had mistakes. Look at Lindelof in the last few weeks. For instance. Um, we've had individual mistakes, but this was an entire team. This was an entire system that just completely broke down. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's strange coming away because in one way you come away having remembered that that feeling that I had at half time I went to make, went to make a cup of tea and I thought this is the most I've enjoyed a big game with United for for a long time because even even when you win a big game we haven't won a big game in a, in sort of an, an intense game we've sort of we've mm. come away when the opposition's yeah. been poor with a result and and that's fun and it's brilliant and and you get the bragging rights but we haven't had a proper intense game I I don't think since Fergie and we didn't have that uh, probably I'm trying to think. Probably since the the three two against City. In fact, pro- in fact, probably the only one was the first one under Mourinho this, against City at home last year when yeah. we did go toe to toe. In fact, City, that, yeah, that was a good game. And we game. got played off the park in the first half, and we're lucky to be in the game. And I think that, in some ways, is what set it off because we did we got rolled over by City in that game. We shouldn't have been in the game by half time, and it's, it almost seems like that the lingering effects of that game were. And now is that every match against the top six, we seem to come out and play very timidly, and we didn't do that against Chelsea, like you said, which was nice to see at first. Yeah, I mean, so you come away with that feeling as well of sort of this is a big game and we've gone for it. This is very nice, but then you come away with a full time feeling of actually, actually, this is, makes it even more gutting. Um, but I did like the fact we went for it, and then it all crumbled. And we had three central defenders, and yet none of them were, were marking Chelsea's top goal scorer and. And big summer signing, Morata, who had a free header. I mean, I mean, he he finished off brilliantly, a brilliant header. But that just sums up the the, the level of, of defensive errors when you've got three on the pitch and none of them seem to find it in them to mark the the danger man. Yeah, that, the the defending for the goal was absolutely awful. Morata had about ten yards of space in front of him between him and I think it was Chris Smalling, um, and it wasn't necessarily Chris Smalling's fault because Bailly should have come across, Valencia should have shifted across. To allow Bai to go and mark Morata, it was just a it seemed like a breakdown in communication, a breakdown in just understanding of of what people were supposed to be doing at different points. 
it was it was a very very disappointing goal to concede because it was so simple and it could have been handled so much better than it actually was. Um, I, I think, and like, like you said, Morata finished it off well, giving credit where it's due, but he should never have been afforded that much time and that much space in in the in the middle of the penalty area to be able to get such a good header on on the ball in the first place. Yeah, and I suppose the annoying thing is that given that that goal could be stopped, Chelsea missed quite a few chances, particularly Bakayoko yeah. and one more from Morata. And we could have come away from that game with a point having not really deserved it um, if we just defended there, probably simpler than defending we did for other chances, um, and defended well, that. And even even in, in even after we went 1-0 down, Chelsea still looked the more likely team to score, I thought. You know, we had, I think, what one, one good chance after we went 1-0 down. Fellaini coming on made a difference. But even when we went one when one goal down, Chelsea still looked like they were the ones that were going to score the next goal. Yeah, I mean, Jamie Carragher after the game said, at, at no point I thought United were going to score. And obviously we had the Rashford chance, which we'll move on to in a second. And Yeah, but even in that period, you weren't thinking United are about to score. You were thinking maybe maybe there's going to be a chance, but that's that's really the, the only big opportunity. I suppose what he meant was that there's no period where you're sitting there and for the last six, seven minutes, United have, have been at Chelsea. Whereas there was that period on United's goal in the last five minutes of the first half and the first 15 and probably another 10 minutes from about 70 to 80 minutes for, for Chelsea. And then the last 10 minutes, we, we probably went at it. But even then, you weren't thinking United about to score. You're just thinking they're, they're lumping it up top, hoping the best of, and yeah. maybe if we're lucky, we'll get a goal. Yeah, Mourinho brought on the right players, but never never ended up changing the system. And so you have all these attacking players on the pitch still playing in a rather defensive manner. And it just meant that the, the game was completely lopsided. Chelsea continued to attack, had some more good chances. Then, like you said, we got desperate at the end, start lumping it up long towards Fellaini. Um, and as I said before, Fellaini did make a bit of a difference when it came on, but that can't be your only way to try and create chances. We've been scoring goals so freely for a lot of this season. So I don't understand why you kind of try and move away from that when you're looking for a goal at the end of the game against Chelsea. I understand maybe last last minute, five minutes or so or in stoppage time, you start getting a bit desperate, but we had half an hour after Chelsea scored a goal and at no point did we look like we were ever going to create a, a very good goal-scoring opportunity unless it came from a lucky hoof from the back that Fellaini manages to get a flick I on. I suppose that there weren't a huge amount of options because, I mean, we, we had Martial, Rashford, Dukaku on the pitch. We tried Mkhitaryan he'd failed miserably and we'll talk about him in a second but we had our our main three forwards on the pitch they weren't doing it Martial came on after Fellaini fair enough but we had those three I, I, I suppose he didn't really know, know what else to do which isn't isn't really good enough because the only the only things we've seen so far this season have been Pogba and Mkhitaryan and Lukaku combining brilliantly Rashford and Martial wide or going long to Fellaini and if none of those three work, then I can't see another option because we haven't played with another option. Um, but I mean, what I mean, if you're really looking at why we lost, it is a it is a failure to make chances, and I, it's not it's not completely down to to Mkhitaryan. It's not only his responsibility to to create chances for Lukaku for Rashford. It's also the job of Rashford and Martial when he comes on and Herrera behind him. And to a very small extent, Nemanja Matic, although much less when he's been left in a massive hole by Mkhitaryan and having to do all the defensive work. And the most frustrating thing about Mkhitaryan's terrible form in the last probably seven weeks is that Lukaku's really struggling because of it, because he also doesn't have Pogba. So is Rashford. 
And Martial's not helped by it as well, though Mkhitaryan and Martial haven't played that much together. If Mkhitaryan's not playing, that that's a key part of the team. And Lukaku's really suffering. And yes, Mkhitaryan, like Lukaku, hasn't been helped by the absence of the absence of Paul Pogba because Pogba attracts players to him, lets Mkhitaryan have much more space because Pogba's such a such a danger. So players are marking him, cross, closing him down, and Mkhitaryan gets that space that can do more with it. But even at the start of the season, he wasn't that. He wasn't overwhelmingly good. He was always underwhelming, and then you'd be saying, "Oh, he's done nothing this game," and then he'd get two assists in the last the last few minutes. Now he he's just doing nothing. I can't believe that Mkhitaryan is still in the team. To be honest with you, um, and that's not just from this game. It's from pretty much the whole season. We've we've been saying for a number of weeks now that. Despite how great his numbers look, I can't actually remember Mkhitaryan having a very, very good performance this season. He drifts in and out of games so much. And when he does pop up with a couple of assists at the end, then great, you know, everything's fine. But unless he gets that, what does he actually offer to our team? Especially when we have someone like Juan Mata, who is part of our squad and, let's be honest, has a reputation and is known for being a very, very good big game player. We go back to Wanfield a couple of years ago, just as a prime example. And who can play that role, probably do a, maybe not quite as creative as Mkhitaryan in certain moments, but I would say he has better general play and he's much better at keeping the ball for us, links the play much better and allows us to control the game in a way that we just never had in, against Chelsea after the first 15 or 20 minutes. At what point, you know, Mourinho, this, this is the thing that annoys me about Mourinho sometimes, is that certain players seem to fall foul of this kind of no tolerance for bad performances Um kind of mantra that he has with some players it's like one bad performance and you're out, out of the team but with others like, like the comments about Lukaku this week as well being untouchable and, and although I agree with his sentiment that Lukaku is probably you know deserves a bit of slack from fans for maybe the last few games because of the way he started no player in any team is untouchable and it seems at the moment like Mkhitaryan is he's been I would go as far as to say arguably our worst player for a lot of the season out of the players that, are, that have been in the first 11 for pretty much every game yeah and yet, it doesn't seem like there's any pressure on him to perform or any pressure that if he doesn't start performing, he's going to get dropped. It just seems like he can go through the motions and, and he's going to be picked every Mourinho, single week. Mourinho clearly knows that he's not performing because he brings him off in games. So it's not, yeah. it's not that he doesn't recognise he's not performing. He just continually sticks with him. And that's baffling when you've got the options of one of Martial and Rashford and of Juan Mata and of Jesse Lingard. Well, oh yeah, I was going to say, even Lingard as well. And to be fair to Lingard, Whenever he's played this season, he's done pretty well. Look at him, I mean, albeit it's in the Carabao Cup. But in the League Cup this season, he's done well. He's shown that he has a good relationship with Rashford. And he can play in that number 10 role. And Mourinho has used him in the number 10 role before. And so in some ways, it, it, I feel like it needs a message like that to Mkhitaryan to show him that he can't just keep keep turning up to games and playing this badly. I mean, Mkhitaryan's definitely the most frustrating player of the season. But then even if you, if you look around the rest of the side, Ander Herrera hasn't performed this season, can't remember a good performance. Um, and Martial and, and, and Rashford have but Rashford against Chelsea his chance was I mean criminal closing your eyes when the keeper's coming out Gary Neville said that's not what you expect of him on a on a positive note the refereeing performance I know you, you've refereed in the past um, refereeing performance I was very pleased with it let the game flow made it a much better much better spectacle yeah I thought it was good um, I know he's getting some stick from the Chelsea fans um, at the start but I thought the, the the own goal that wasn't um, first of all what a finish from Phil Jones um, 
for a second. I, I thought it was it was it was definitely a foul. I thought um, there was a little push, but then it was the tangle of legs as well that actually caused Jones to start stumbling. Yeah, I um, can't remember. I can't remember who said it on Sky. I th- might have been Carragher who said, "Is it? It's one of those where you kind of have to give it if you're not sure because." Yeah. It, it, it's such a big moment if they score, whereas if they don't score, it, it's especially that early on in the game, it's much less of a big decision. So you kind of, if you're not 100 percent sure, you've got to give that as yeah. a foul. But no, yeah, I thought I thought the referee performance was pretty good. Um, actually, my favourite moment of the referee performance is just something I picked up on while I was watching. Was um, I think the, at the start of the second half, I think it was. Um, Anthony Taylor gave us a corner when Rashford was running down the line and as Piliqueta hadn't touched it <laughs> literally before we oh, even yeah. kicked the ball he gave a foul to Chelsea because he knew he'd messed up the he, he blew basically as the ball was in midair going to the corner <laughs> just to avoid it um, good bit on Football 365 this week from, from Daniel Story giving us uh, Jose Mourinho's already record against the, the top sides since he joined Chelsea for the second time it is, it's really appalling reading I think it's no wins and one goal scored, um, which is, I mean, he he. This is what he he says. Why do you appoint Mourinho as manager if you're United? You appoint him because he attracts the best players in the world. He's done that. You appoint him to make the team perform better, and he's done that. But you don't appoint Mourinho because you want to score one goal in seven games away from home at the top clubs you don't appoint him because you want a team relying on the availability of, of Paul Pogba of one midfielder and you don't appoint Marino because you want to be eight points behind the Premier League leaders after 11 games and he says dress it up how you want but this is not good enough I mean do we agree I, yeah I do I think the criticism is, is entirely fair Mourinho's reputation or a lot of Mourinho's reputation anyway is based on how well he performs in big games and how you so often you go to these big teams away from home and you don't you don't concede and you'll nick a goal and you, and you'll end up with like 12 points from five away games against the other top six um but I it's just not working out like that at the moment and it just seems like we don't change I think this is what's frustrating for a lot of United fans at the moment like Let's take Chelsea, for example, and Anfield, actually. We, we have never had a good record at Stamford Bridge or Anfield. Even under Ferguson, that was true. But what's frustrating is that we seem to go into these games and do the same thing over and over again and come unstuck in the same ways. That's why I'm not, I'm not quite as annoyed about the Chelsea defeat as I was about the Anfield game, in some ways, because at least we tried something a little bit different this time. And, OK, it didn't work all the time, but we came out and we actually played. We actually played. We went toe-to-toe with Chelsea, for the, especially in the first half, which was pleasing. Whereas in all these other games, we just kind of sit back, go into our shell and inevitably concede or, or we didn't concede against uh, uh, Anfield and we managed to escape with a point. But you, you employ Mourinho for the things that he said in that article, but also because his reputation in big games goes before him. But he just is not living up to that at the moment. And we need to start doing something differently if we're ever going to be able to do that. And all right, I know Paul, Paul Pogba is a world-class player and, I, and it's understandable that if you're missing a world-class player, your team is going to suffer. But there is no player that should be missing from a team that you suffer this badly. It has been absolutely atrocious, some of the midfield play that we've seen. Um, I mean, and, and, and it, although that's down to the players part, it's also down to Mourinho as well because you have to be able to deal with this. And as, as a manager, especially as a manager with the reputation of Mourinho, you have to be able to change the system, change the team to try and compensate for the lack of Pogba. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's tough with injuries because we're also missing plan B, um, plan Marouane Fellaini and others as well, and Marcus Rojo and, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. But I mean, we didn't start the season with Zlatan. We knew that wasn't going to happen. We, I mean, if you go back to the transfer window, we know we don't have Rojo. We know we don't have Zlatan. But 
I guess why? I mean, you're trying to think why did Mourinho go for it? I suppose he's seen other teams go for it against Chelsea. You look at Watford, even though they eventually lost, and see them get some success. Whereas if you sit back against Chelsea, you tend to get eventually um, get beaten by them. I mean, is it the right decision? I mean, we'll we'll know because we've lost. But I mean, I don't think I don't think we would have come away with a win had we gone with the the Anfield tactics either. And I guess the reason he's now having to go for it because we have to go for a win. The reason we can't go to not lose, and the reason we have to go to win is because City have just been too good. And if we go into the title. I mean, Mourinho would probably prefer not to go for a draw, to not 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 go for a draw, but use his play not to lose tactic. But City have dropped two points all season. They've they've thrashed Arsenal. They've beaten the big teams. They've thrashed Liverpool. We we I mean, we just cannot afford not to win. We're in November. I mean, sure, yeah, they might crack, they might crumble, but we we can't make assumptions based on that. We'll probably need a near record points total to to beat this City team to the title. And I think that's why. We genuinely just have to go for it. Well, and the thing is, it, it screams to me when we play so defensively in a lot of these big games that Mourinho just doesn't have faith in the team. I mean, you look at City and against against teams outside of the top six this season, we, we've gone toe-to-toe with City. We've matched their results. We had almost exactly the same goal difference as them as well. And so if they're able to go out and play like this against the top six and get get, get results, why aren't we? You know, I, I, all right, City might be a better team than us, and, I, and they put, and they are at the moment for sure. But I don't think that we're that much worse than City. That we can't go and play our own style and still come out with results against the top teams. You're not going to win every single game, whether that's against the top six or against the lesser sides. But we are good enough as a collective team that we should be able to go to pretty much anywhere in the league. I would say and play our own style of football and feel confident that we will, if not get a result, at least go there and not get battered four or five nil. I don't think that's ever something that has crossed my mind before. And in some ways, I'd rather us go somewhere, play a bit like play a more expensive style and get hammered four or five nil, than just keep repeating the same dreary park the bus nil nil or, one, or not nil nil one nil uh, defeats against the big teams. At least I just want to see some change. I think is what I'm getting at here. And this is what this is the, my main frustration with Mourinho is that it's almost like his reputation has become so strong. He's trying to protect his reputation by sticking with the same style and trying to get results from it, but it's not working. And ultimately, th- this is about something bigger than Marina. This is about the club. I didn't like his his gesture after the Spurs game last. Sorry, I know I'm going back a week. Um, but I didn't like his gesture after the Spurs game last week either. The shush to the camera. I just thought it's unnecessary. It's not about Mourinho. It's about Manchester United. Um, and uh, you know, there, I've seen I've seen all kind of wacky suggestions like get rid of Mourinho this week, and there's not. Any time to panic like that, but Mourinho, I think, needs to stop making it all about him. He needs to stop being so stubborn in some of his ways and start implementing some changes that's actually going to help turn his fortunes around. Yeah, I mean that it is always about Mourinho. That that just is how it works. And I mean, I guess that the signs that Mourinho will not be the long-term manager at United are are there and have been there for probably three years in four years it just means it's 100% certain he will not be here in seven or eight years and I, I don't know do I want to see us go for it and lose 4-0 no because that's what Arsenal do and they get battered and they come away with no points and a huge massive abuse from their fans and it just carries on and carries on I'd rather come away with a 
with a 1-0 defeat, even if we didn't go for it, I think. But at the same time, when we've got the squad that we have, both of those options aren't good enough. I mean, are we good enough to attack? That's what Carragher questioned on, on Sky Sports after the game. Are we actually good enough to go and attack? Because, I mean, I remember when when we always mention Chris Morling's weaknesses on on this podcast, we always say the reason he shone under Louis van Gaal was because he was in a defensive team. He didn't really have to do anything but defend or occasionally pass the ball sideways. Is United's defence actually the best in the league? Because it is statistically and it's one of the best in Europe statistically. I think it's the best at home in Europe statistically. But is it actually that or is it just that we play defensive? when we play the big teams and when we play the small teams, they're not good enough to, to actually challenge it. Um, so is our defence good enough to cope with us going on the attack where while they're not covered? Um, and I think we saw there probably isn't against Chelsea because when we did go on the attack, there were huge holes in our defence and we really suffered. Our defence, is, it's hard to actually know how good it really is because as you said, we don't, it's the top teams anyway, we've never actually seen it be tested in a way where the system doesn't try and protect it. But, in some ways, only one way to find out about that. And like you said, we we were exposed at some at some points against Chelsea, but I don't think that's all down to the defence. I think a lot of that was down to the midfield. I, I would say Matic probably had his worst game in the United shirt so far against Chelsea. Uh, even in the games that we've struggled this year, Matic has still kind of stood out as being the one the one guy who has still kind of put in the shift that we wanted from him. And even he didn't have a great game yesterday. We know it's very well documented the defensive deficiencies of Herrera next to him. Um, and so I think and plus we also play in three at the back which I, I wanted us to play I was pleased that we set up with that but I mean if if we are going to play more attacking going forward then maybe switching to a more familiar back forward would be better I don't know it's it's a tough one and I, and I sympathise with, with Mourinho because it's a hard decision to come to but in some ways I think this isn't working what's going on now and there's only one way to find out how good our defence really is. All, all doom and gloom, but still second in the league. Eight points behind, yes, but City crumbled last year. They could well do again. I mean, much less likely to. They do look very slick and, and very, very good. But, I mean, they, they could do the same again. And we're still second. Um, and we're top of our Champions League group. And we're in the League Cup quarter final. So, it, I mean, that's what Mourinho said. It, it's, not, it's not all bad. It's just coming out of this, you're seeing a regular pattern occurring in a in a run of bad form. And hopefully after the international break we'll see Pogba return, we'll see Rojo return and suddenly things will begin to click again. And if that's the case, then when we get to play City on December the tenth, I think it is, um so we'll have I mean we come back against Newcastle on the on the eighteenth of November and then we'll have three weeks to get our form up before we play City and what will be surely dubs by Sky Sports as, as a title clash and will probably be a, a dull nil-nil. <laughs> Almost certainly will be that. Uh, who knows if who knows if we'll even be second by that point as well um, and how far behind we'll, how far behind we'll, we'll have caught up or fallen behind. Um, yeah, probably will be a nil-nil to be honest. Um, Mourinho will love getting one over on Pep if, if he could somehow pull it off but I just can't see it happening at, at the moment. Um, and in, in some ways it's not even... That's not even me talking bad about United. That's in some way just me acknowledging how good City look at the moment. They really do look unbeatable at times. Um, and the way they've kind of steamrolled a lot of the, a lot of the big teams as well kind of scares me. Yeah, I mean, I saw some of them saying they came away from the Arsenal game thinking we could have won 6-0 there. And when you're thinking that against big teams, that sort of reminds yeah. me of 
of some of Fergie's United, the sort of when we when we're spanking Arsenal eight two and thrashing Spurs and beating Liverpool three nil, that kind of confidence going into big games is is not something that many teams who don't finish the the season as champions have. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, yeah. If we lose the title to this City side, it's. I mean, I guess when Mourinho came in, how how quickly did you expect him to win the league? I guess is is what this all depends on. Because I don't think I expect. I think I expected him to win it in his second season, but then with Guardiola and City as well there, that sort of went down to I expect him to challenge in in the second season and hopefully win it. But I guess for some people they were thinking the immediate impact and for others they're thinking much more long term I guess everything now depends on what you thought when Mourinho first arrived at the club I, I mean it, I think it, it does require you to, to take some stock of the situation in, in the bigger picture rather than just where we are because we are still second in the league like, this doesn't detract from the fact we have had a good start to the season despite having a, a run of some poor results and also you think about where we were when, when Mourinho came in coming off a, 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 an awful season with Louis van Gaal, where not only did most of our squad need need an overhaul, our, in, our entire playing start needed an overhaul. And last season wasn't what we wanted it to be, but we won we won a few trophies and we managed to get into the Champions League, which was kind of the biggest the biggest thing from last season. Albeit we didn't do it in the way that we wanted to through getting top four in the league, but we've we've gone now this season and we we've definitely progressed from last season. That, that's we have we have to keep that in mind from where we from where we're coming from. But now the challenge is how do we go to that next level? And I think you're right. You're, you're so right about it. It just depends how quickly you expect that change to take place. Because if, if, you're, if you're saying from last season, to, to try and go from a team that finished sixth to a team that, fin- that won- wins the title is crazy. Oh, I say it's crazy actually thinking about the last two teams to win the title. Leicester and Chelsea came from, <laughs> what, 10th or 11th to win the title? Ted, um, yeah. But I mean, in a normal yeah. season, um, it's... It's yeah. very, very unlikely you're going to do that. Look at look at how long it's taken Spurs to do that. Spurs were a team that finished fifth or sixth consistently a few years ago, and you know they're in like the third, fourth season of this kind of project from Pochettino, and they're still not quite there. Um, so it's going to take a while. Right. Second and third season, I'd say, was was the targets. If we if we were to win the league next season and not this season, I, I wouldn't be disappointed with how Mourinho has done. But I think. I expect us to progress more than we have done so far this season in the second half of the season. That, that, that's kind of what has annoyed me a lot of the time is that we seem to just be going up and down at the moment um, and there's no progress during the season that I've seen. Uh, and that, that's, I think, what I want to see for the rest of the season. Whether that's enough to win the league or not is another matter, but I just want to see us progress during the season and get more of an identity. We almost have a bit of a two-faced kind of team at the moment. It's like a bit of a split personality. It's like we're one team against the smaller sides and one team against the bigger sides. And I think we just need more of an identity. That's one thing that Ferguson's teams always, always had. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're... Let's go back to Chelsea last year. I think that was in October. <laughs> and we get beaten 4-0. And this year we get beaten 1-0. And, yeah. and we play badly and, and still challenged for the game, I guess, is where what you can look at progress at. Right, busy week for United's youth teams. The under-19s drew 1-1 with Benfica at home in the UEFA Youth League with United's goal coming from Ethan Hamilton. The under-23s beat Swansea City 2-1 in the Premier League International Cup thanks to a James Wilson double. And the under-18s were beaten 1-0 by Stoke City in the under-18 Premier League Cup. Max Dunn and Aidan Barlow both suffered injuries in that game. Um, Hopefully good news on on that soon and they'll both be back soon. 
Andreas Pereira came off the bench to grab an assist for Valencia at the weekend. It's been reported that United will try and bring him back to the club in, in January, try and get some more creativity in the side and outdo Henrik Mkhitaryan. But we'll see. We'll see if that comes to fruition. Um, in international youth news, Axel Twanzebe has got his first England under-21 call-up. It's been a long time coming. Dean Henderson on loan at Shrewsbury is also in that squad. And Mason Greenwood, Ethan Lyard and James Garner are all in England's new under-17 squad, meaning United have the most players in that under-17 setup now. The first time in any England age group the United have had the most in quite a while. So the academy is showing how it's improved in the last few years in terms of English players um and that's that's the new squad following england winning the under 17 world cup which we told you about last week with angel gomez captaining the young lions to that um international break coming up so no no fixture for united a, a weekend off i mean i remember when we when we had the october international break you're thinking oh no 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 united and now you're thinking we kind of want about you kind of want that opportunity to back, bounce back but you're also a bit on a bit of a low after being beaten by chelsea yeah, very different feel around the club, um, definitely. I think it will probably do us some good, to be honest, to try and get this. Well, this was always going to be our hardest stretch of the season, this trio of games against Liverpool, um, Spurs and Chelsea. We got through it um, with, what, four points out of, out of nine. It, it could have been worse. I, you know, I think we have to also keep that in perspective, but it'll be good for us, I think, to for the players to have a little break from it and get back and, and come back to the club ready to get back to the form we showed in the early part of the season. Like you, hopefully we uh, will have Pogba back, get Rojo back as well, um, and really start playing again like we did at the start of the season. That's what we all, all want, and the sooner it happens, the better. Yep. Um, right, that's all we have time for on a, on a bit of a gloomy and miserable episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, Series 3, Episode 12. Thank you, as always, for listening. Where can we find you on Twitter, Jack? At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me at, at HarryRobinson64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end. If you're enjoying the show, not necessarily our, our miserable grumbles this week, but if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review on iTunes or subscribe. Um, it does help actually quite a lot. And if you've got a question for next week, give us a tweet at, at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D. Thank you as always for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye. Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.